Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to Freedom Through Faith. Prepare to be blessed as pastor and teacher Robert Thibodeau leads us into the anointed study of the Word of God, teaching and empowering you how to impact your world with the gospel of Jesus Christ, teaching you how to receive the blessings and provisions of God and how to walk through this life with Freedom Through Faith. And now, here's Pastor Robert Thibodeau. We now rejoin today's message already in progress. Think about it. If you go to Saudi Arabia and you preach Christianity and you convert someone from Islam to Christianity, you can be put to death. Same thing in Iraq, Afghanistan, Pakistan. There's no tolerance there. You go to China and proclaim publicly in the public square and start converting people and preaching the gospel. You could be arrested, beaten, tortured. There's no tolerance there. It doesn't matter where you go in the world. Even Canada, our neighbor to the north. If you preach against homosexuality, you could be arrested and imprisoned and fined. There's no tolerance there. Yet, when they say tolerance, what they're saying is you have to tolerate our sin. That's the world's definition of tolerance. But yet, in America, when we founded this nation, was founded, tolerance meant each person can believe as they wish. That's what tolerance meant. And I can hear the opponents to Christianity right now saying, that's right, we can believe what we wish and you can't say nothing about it. No, it doesn't say you can't say nothing about it. just said that you will not be punished or imprisoned for it. So if you want to be a homosexual, go ahead. But just do not force your will on us. Well, we don't tell nobody they got to be a homosexual. We don't, we're not saying that they have to marry, you know, they don't have to marry their neighbor or, you know, gay marriage. We're, you don't have to do that. You just have to recognize it's our right to do so. But yet when you preach against it, you're not beating them up. You're not beating them. You're not imprisoning them. You're just showing them that the true way to heaven is to acknowledge your sin. Why is homosexuality a sin? Because the Bible says that God, it's an abomination in his sight. And then they come off with, oh, you're judging me. No, I'm not judging you. I'm telling you what the judge has already ruled. Because the world system is opposed to the truth. In fact, Jesus gave himself, Galatians 1.4 says, 
for our sins. That He might deliver us from this present system of evil. This system is hostile to godliness. It's hostile to virtue. Just look at the system. By materialism, humanism, sex, carnal ambition, pride, greed, self-pleasure, self-desire, it's all here. Its opinions are wrong. Its aims are selfish. Its pleasures are sinful. Its honors are empty. Its smiles are fake. Its love is false. And on and on and on I could go. This world, if you want to be completely truthful, this world is on a road to self-destruction. It is a world that is passing away. Remember the words of the, the Apostle John, do not love this world or the system nor the things in this system, in this world. If anyone loves the world, loves the system, then the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the system, all that's in the world, the lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, boastful pride of life, is not from the Father, but it's from the system, from the world. For out of the system, out of the world, it is passing away. So three things characterize this point. Lust of the flesh, passion, lust of the eyes, covetousness, pride of life, boastful arrogance. Let me say that again. The lust of the flesh, what's your passion? Lust of the eyes, covetousness, I want that. Pride of life, boastful arrogance. That's the system. That's the worldly system. And if you love this system, then the love of the Father is not in you. James gave us the same truth. Amen. Just using different words. He said, you adulteresses, don't you know that friendship with the world or the system is hostility towards God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world, whoever wishes to be a friend of this system in the world, makes himself an enemy of God. Now, we could go on and on about a political party who has done just that, trying to be a friend of the world system. They're proving they are enemies against God. Oh, there you go, Brother Blog. You're starting to talk about the Democrats again. You're, no, they're Republicans too. There's some of them that have sold their soul for power. I'm not speaking Democrat or Republican. I'm, rep I'm talking about political ambitions that seek to verify and give credence to and credibility to the systems of this world. Make them enemies of God. You see, you cannot be in the kingdom of God and in the kingdom of the world at the same time. Wait a minute, Brother Bob. I'm in the world. I have to go to work. I have to work in this system. What is your motive? Yes, you have to work. Yes, you have to have a job. Yes, you have to be part of this world. What did Jesus just say in John 17, 17? They are not of this world. 1720. They are not of this system, even as I am not of this system. 
They are in this system, but keep them from this system. In other words, you may have to live and operate in this worldly system, but you do not have to allow the system to become part of you. Because you can't have both. These sinful, selfish, earthbound souls who live in the system controlled by the prince of this world, the prince of the system, they are already separated from Jesus Christ. And it's an infinite gulf that's between them. The Christian, those who believe in Jesus and serve Jesus and abhor the things of the flesh, they've been crucified to this system because he has died to this system. Oh, it's still there. It's still here. But it's not our life. It's not our domain. We have been translated, the scripture says, from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his dear son. Satan is not our prince. Jesus is our king. Amen. Can I get a shout amen somebody? The old patterns are not those that drive us. Now the law of God is that in which we delight. And obedience to the laws of God is our deepest heart's desire. For a man to die in his sins, he only needs to be self-righteous and worldly. Thirdly, here's the crux, be unbelieving. Unbelieving. In verse 24, Jesus said to the religious leaders, I said therefore to you that you shall die in your sins, for unless you believe I am, you shall die in your sins. If you don't put your faith in who I am, which embodies all of my person and all of the works I've done in your presence, you will die in your sin. Folks, that's the bottom line. Now, the way of escape is open. The way of salvation is open to everyone. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved, Paul told the Philippian jailer. If you believe in your heart God has raised him from the dead and you confess with your mouth he is Lord, you will be saved in Romans 10. It's available. Salvation is offered. The way of escape is being offered. But the one who persists in unbelief, who will not believe that Jesus is actually God, who will not believe that he was God come down in the form of human flesh, came as a redeemer to pay the complete price of sin, sacrificing himself for our redemption, and that he rose from the dead for our justification. If you will not believe he is the sovereign Lord and ruler over all things, the one who will not believe that, the one who will not embrace in faith all that he is and all that he has done, he or she will die in their sins. And when he says, if you will not believe I am, he is simply summing up the fullness of of all that he is. God's name, remember, is I am that I am. And to believe that Jesus is the great I am is to believe that he is all he claimed to be. I am, he said, the bread of life. I am, 
living water. I am light of the world. I am the good shepherd. I am the vine. I am the resurrection and I am the life. If you believe that he is all that he claimed to be and you place your faith in him, ha, you will escape death and its eternal consequences. But if you don't believe all of that, you will die in your sin. In John chapter 3, remember the last verse, verse 36? He who believes in the Son has eternal life, but he who does not obey the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God will abide on him. So just don't believe. Just refuse to believe, and you will be damned forever. So to die in all of your sins, all you have to do is be self-righteous. Don't think that sin is a problem. It's not a big problem. Just believe that you're good enough. You're already good enough. Just be worldly. Get yourself totally engulfed in this system. Standing up for the rights of the oppressed. Standing up to allow a woman to make her own choice. What choice is that? Choice to work over here instead of over here? Or the choice to murder her own baby in her own womb? Stand up for the homosexual rights to marriage. Marriage is a divine institution instituted by God between one man and one woman. It's been like that since the foundation of the world in the Garden of Eden. But now, worldly man says, well, God kind of messed it up. We're going to make it right. If you do that, driven by the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, you are serving your father, Satan. So just refuse to believe that Jesus is all that he said he was, and a full expression of faith that embraces him fully as your redeemer. Just don't do that. You will die in your sin. Fourthly and lastly, just be willfully ignorant. Just be willfully ignorant. It's unimaginable what their response is to this conversation of verse 25. Listen to verse 25. Then they said to him, Who are you? Who are you? That's an unbelievable question. You know, that is unimaginable response when you stop to realize the ministry Jesus has had up to this day in this point in time, healing people, creating food to feed thousands of mouths, multitudes of people, walking on the water, creating wine out of water at a wedding, demonstrating incredible power. I mean, he could lay hands on a leprous person filled with leprosy, and you could see the skin recovering right there in front of him. He could tell a lame man, get up and walk. 
He could tell a blind man, go wash and you will see. They had seen this. Many of them firsthand. They had heard his powerful words spoken. Words which had never been spoken by any man. Yet they said, who are you? Who are you? Who are you making yourself out to be? You know, I'm reminded of the blind man in chapter 9, John chapter 9. and I wrote an award-winning book. I've actually received a literary award for this book called Blind Faith. And you can go to our website and check it out. It's on Amazon also. You can look it up, Blind Faith by Robert Thibodeau. But in John chapter 9, these religious leaders, after this blind man who had been born blind, washed in the pool of Shalom, or Siloam, came up out of that water seen. Immediately, I mean, it created such a ruckus, they grabbed him and took him to the religious leaders to verify that a miracle had been done. And they came to this blind man and said, Who is he that did this? Where is he from? And the blind man said, You mean you don't know where he's from? Yet he made me see? <laughs> Those words today would be something along the lines of, come on, give me a break. You ought to know where he's from. I was blind, but he made me see. Take a wild guess where you think he's from. And that's why they got so mad at and they kicked this blind guy out of the synagogue. They excommunicated him because he said Jesus is God. Here they're asking the same sneering question in a different form. Who are you? You. Literally. You. Who are you? That's what they're asking Jesus. Who do you think you are telling us these things? Who do you think you are saying these things to us? What in the world gives you a right to assume you're going to heaven and we're going to hell? That we're going to die in our sins and you're going to go to somewhere in the presence of God where we can't come? Just who do you think you are, Jesus? Who are you? That's willful ignorance. It should have been blatant, patently obvious who he was. How else could it be explained that he was God if not by, if not by what he did or what he said? Or what he was and what they had seen. They had seen the miracles. That's why in Mark 16, verses 15 through 21, Jesus basically said, these are the signs of them who will believe. And he goes down this long list. They'll cast out devils in my name. They'll lay hands on the sick. The sick will recover. And then in verse 21 it says, and they, the disciples went forth, preaching and teaching everywhere they went, with the Word being confirmed by miracles and signs. You see, when you preach and you say, Jesus will heal you, Jesus will confirm the word spoken in, by faith. Amen? That's why in verse 25, Jesus responds by saying, What have I been saying to you from the beginning? 
I've been telling you who I am and where I came from. I've been telling you over and over who I am. It's not a secret. Early on, he said, the temple was my father's house. And he taught that the temple of the body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. He said, you destroy me in three days, I will rise again. He said to Nicodemus, he was the son of God. He said to the woman at the well, he was the promised one, the Savior. He told that blind man, I want you to understand this. Get the book. It's a great book, if I do say so myself. This blind man was one of just a handful of people to whom Jesus revealed his true self to before the crucifixion. The blind man, he didn't see Jesus. He'd only heard his words go wash in the pool of Siloam. And when he testified for Jesus in front of the Sanhedrin and the Pharisees, they kicked him out of the synagogue. Now he doesn't know where to go. Jesus found him and asked him, Do you believe on the Son of God? The blind man said, he recognized Jesus' voice. He said, Who is he, Lord, that I might believe? And Jesus said, I am he that speaks with you. He's one of the few people Jesus actually revealed his true identity too. But Jesus here in verse 25 is saying, I told you who I am over and over and over again. It's not a secret. If you kill me, I will rise again in three days. He's using Noah, not Noah, uh, Jonah as an example. The message was clear. He had said in that tremendous section, John 5, that all judgment had been given to him from the Father. That he would literally raise from the dead. Just and unjust. All of them. Whoever dies will be raised from the dead. Some to the resurrection of life. Some to the resurrection of damnation. It was obvious who he was. He said over and over, I am the light of the world. Follow me and you'll never walk in darkness. He said, I am the water of life. Drink of me, you'll never thirst. I am the bread of life. You eat me, you'll never get hungry. You better eat my flesh and drink my blood or you'll never know who God is and be saved. He said all that. He had verified it with a powerful display of miracles. Then, stupidly, these leaders stand there and say, Who are you? Who do you think you are? And Jesus says, what I've been saying to you from the beginning. Then he says in verse 26, I have many things to speak and to judge concerning you. But he who sent me is true. And the things which I heard from him, these I speak to the world. And he says, I have more to say to you. And what I have to say to you comes from God and God is true. And God wants me to speak these things to you. I have more to say. These are the words of judgment. They're not his words alone. They're the words of God who is the judge. Because back in verse 16, he told them, my judgment is true, and I'm not alone in it. What he's saying to them is, hey, I got a lot to tell you. But by now, you ought to know who I am. But since you've come to the point where you say you don't know who I am, well, I have something more to say to you. But it's no longer good things. What I have to say to you now is about judgment. So you move rapidly from 
Chapter 8, verse 12, where he says, I'm the light of the world. He that follows me shall not walk in darkness. There's an invitation. See, he who follows me shall not walk in darkness. But now comes the condemnation. I have more to say to you, but it's about judgment. And I get it from God. To show you how ignorant they were, in verse 27, they didn't realize he'd been speaking to them about the Heavenly Father. They didn't know who he was. They didn't even know who his father was. They didn't even know he was talking about God. That's how ignorant these people were. Ignorant because of willful rejection. In verse 28, he said about their ignorance, when you lift up the Son of Man, then you'll know. What does he have in mind there? His crucifixion. He said, when I'm crucified, when I'm lifted up, then you will know that I am. And I can do nothing on my own initiative, but I speak the things the Father taught me. You'll know then that I am the promised one. You'll know then that I came from God, and you will know then that God sent me and spoke through me. You'll know it then when I'm lifted up. How would they know it? Well, if they had their eyes open, just standing there at the base of the cross, watching what he was doing, watching what he was going through as the entire sin of the world was being absorbed by his body. And the scripture says he was transfigured. We, we didn't even recognize him as a human being anymore. That would have been revealed enough. After all, even the pagan centurion standing there watching it, he was not a believer. But even he, the centurion, watching what was happening, said, truly, truly, this was the Son of God. How could he see it? He saw in just what was happening on the cross. Then add to that the graves that burst open and dead people coming back to life. Add to that the veil of the temple being ripped into... There we are. Sorry about that. Bumped my microphone. I get too carried away. I'm telling you folks, this stuff is so real in me, I get carried away. But the... The veil of the temple ripped in two from the top to the bottom. The access of God's throne was now thrown open to everyone. Then add to that in 70 AD, just as Jesus prophesied, 1.1 million Jews in Jerusalem were massacred. The stones of the temple were completely torn down one from another. 72 AD, 20,000 Jews were slain in Galilee. 10,000 Jewish throats were cut in Damascus just in one day. Stop and look. Add to that that a church was born. The apostles went out in miraculous power, preaching and healing, casting out demons, and the church was growing and exploding, and they filled Jerusalem with their doctrine. They turn the world upside down, Scripture says. He says, lift me up, and then you'll know. 
You have just heard a message of encouragement from anointed pastor and teacher Robert Thibodeau with Freedom Through Faith Ministries in Baltimore, Maryland. For more information on the Freedom Through Faith Ministries or to invite Pastor Thibodeau to your church, please visit our website, www.ftfm.org. That's FTFM for Freedom Through Faith Ministries. Again, that's ftfm.org. Until next time, when we gather together around the Word of God, be blessed. And remember, we serve an awesome God. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.